one who accepts a field from his friend. And the mission is referring to a case of Chachirus, where somebody rents a field and works the same field. And the rental agreement is that the renter will pay the owner of the field a fixed amount of the produce which will be made in that field. And although they didn't make a stipulation on exactly what the person is going to plant in the field, it was understood, and the renter sort of told the owner that he's going to plant it, he's going to plant it with barley. Says the Mishnah, he is forbidden to plant the field with wheat instead of barley, because wheat takes up the nutrients of the soil more, and the power which the soil has to plant things in is reduced more by planting wheat in there than by planting barley. And therefore, since the understood agreement between them was that he would plant barley there, he's not allowed to plant wheat there, since this was the agreement between them, that he would plant barley, and he hasn't got permission to plant something which is going to ruin the soil more. Now, if we were talking about an oris, somebody who gives a percentage of that which is produced rather than a fixed value of the produce, then it would be permitted for him to plant it with wheat instead of barley. Because it's true that wheat will take more of the power of the soil away, but at the same time, wheat is considered to be better produce, better quality than barley. And if the owner is receiving a percentage of the crop, the wheat is worth more than the barley, and he's going to end up gaining. So it's true that the soil might be able to... It might become weaker as a result of the wheat being planted there, but the owner is gaining from that, and therefore the oris would be able to change to wheat. However, since we're talking about a choicher, where the value of what he's going to receive is already fixed from the beginning, and if you plant it with wheat, then the owner of the field is just going to end up receiving the same value, but instead of barley, he'll receive wheat. But the same value, so he's not gaining. And therefore, since you are weakening the ground more, it is forbidden to do so. However, on the other hand, chitim, if you made a condition, or even if it was just understood between you, that you were going to plant the field with wheat, you are allowed to change and plant it with barley, since that weakens the ground less than it would weaken the ground with wheat. And the owner is not losing out at all because he'll receive the same value just in barley instead of wheat. However, Mishim Gamliel forbids this, and according to Mishim Gamliel, whatever the understanding between them was, he needs to go with that, and he can't change from wheat to barley or barley to wheat. The reason being that there is another additional consideration to take into account. If somebody plants different produce in a field year by year, and he keeps on changing what he plants in that field, that also weakens the ground a lot. And therefore, one does need to be concerned that the owner has a concern that specifically what he agreed would be planted there is what will be planted there. And he doesn't want you to change it. So according to one does need to be concerned for that possibility, and therefore he cannot change from what they agreed upon. Alright, now the Mishnah brings a couple more examples. Tavua, if the agreement and the understanding between them was that the renter is going to plant the field with grain, laser and a kidness, he cannot plant it with beans, because beans weakens the ground more. Kidness, however, if the agreement was that he would plant beans there, Yisra'en Tavua, he can plant grain there, since it weakens the ground less, but once again, Rishim Gamliel Iser, Rishim Gamliel forbids even this around, because one does need to be concerned for the possibility that this owner wants to continue 
continue planting a particular type of crop since changing it around also is a cause of weakening the ground. One who receives a field from somebody else with the arrangement of chachiros, where he'll give a fixed amount of the produce to the owner of the field, that is the cost of the rental, for a few years, for a small number of years, which as we're going to see in a moment in the Mishnah, this means less than seven years. If you rent the field for less than seven years, I'm going to understand that they didn't have any agreement of what he'll plant in the field. He had to plant a particular produce, but they didn't stipulate that it has to be any particular type of produce. So he's allowed to plant anything there. However, laser and opishton. He is not allowed to plant flax in that field because flax weakens the ground so much that it takes it can take up to seven years for the ground to properly recover and be fit to produce a regular normal amount of a different produce which will be planted there. As well as that, for Elobikaras Shikma, the renter may not cut down the wood or the branches to use as beams from a sycamore tree. Because these trees take a very long time to grow to regrow their branches. It can take up to seven years. Only if Kiblamenashonim, if he received the field from the owner of the field for seven years, so then Shana during that first year is Renopish. On, he is allowed to plant that field with flax, and he can cut down the big branches, the big parts of the sycamore tree to use as beams, since by the time he leaves, the sycamore tree would have fully grown back, and the ground will no longer be weak, so you won't be leaving the field back with the owner, and the owner having a loss. The owner won't have a loss because the field or the tree would have recovered fully by the time this renter leaves leaves the field. One who receives a field from his friend, he's renting and working the field. For one Shavua. The term Shavua in Mishnayis refers to one full Shmita cycle. A Shmita cycle is seven years, the seventh year being Shmita, during which it is forbidden to work the fields. And the first six years, it is permitted to work the fields, and there are different tides which need to be separated during specific years of the Shemitah cycle. For example, my Oni, the tenth of one's produce which one needs to give to a poor person, that applies specifically during the third and the sixth year of the Shemitah cycle. Be as it may, there is a cycle of seven years. So a person rents a field from the owner of the field for a cycle, for a Shemitah cycle. Bishvame Zuz for 700 Zuz. So the particular example which the mission is talking about is actually not a regular arisus or chachirus, but this is a normal rental where it's true that the person who is renting it is working it, he's working the field, so in that way it is considered to be like chachiros. However, whereas a normal chachiros involves paying from the produce which grows in that field, over here the renter of the field is paying with money. But the same would apply to an oris or a chaycher, but the example which the mission is talking about is a regular renter who is also working the field but is paying with money. Be as it may, the Mishnah tells us that Hashavias Minaminyon, the Shemitah year itself, is counted as part of the time which he is renting the field. And even with this amount, it's 700 Zuz, so the simple implication is certainly that he's paying 100 Zuz for each year, but during the Shemitah year, he can't work the field at all. So no one's got this entire arrangement is totally different during that Shemitah year. 
He's sort of renting the field, but he can't work the field. And the money does indicate that he's paying him for seven years, which are all the same, and that he would work for all seven years. But Mish says no. Since the agreement was a Schmitter cycle, so Schmitter cycle it is. And it would pay him 700 Zuz for the seven years, which includes Schmitter. However, says the Mishnah, if he received the field from him and he rented it from him, and the agreement was that he's taking it from him for seven years, for 700 Zuz. So in this case, the Schmitter year is not included in those seven years, and he would be paying 700 Zuz to have the field really for eight years which would be seven years that he can work the field, because the entire arrangement over here is that he's going to rent and work the field, and therefore this is the simple understanding of the agreement. Between Aleph, the next two Mishnahs in this Perek, we're no longer talking about Arisus and Hachirus, but it discusses the prohibitions involved in delaying the payment to an employee. The Torah says, on his day, you need to give him his wage. You don't have longer than a day to give the wages of a worker to him. And the sun shouldn't set on him without you having paid him. And elsewhere, the Torah says, You cannot keep with you the wages of a worker overnight until the morning. So you have a number of prohibitions and commandments to pay somebody on time. And the Mishwal explains that these prohibitions and commandments apply to specific people in specific situations. Somebody who is hired to work for a day, so he's working for you for one day during the daytime, and he ends at night. So since he ends the work at night, once he ends the work, from then the employer owes him the money. That's when we consider the payment to be due, once he has done the work. And so he collects his wages all night, meaning the employer has the entire night to give him his wages. So the last puzzle which we brought, which says that one is not allowed to keep the wages overnight until morning, that would apply over here, since the payment becomes due at night, because that's when he finishes his work. So you have the rest of the night to pay him. Somebody who is hired to do work for one night, and he finishes in the morning, even if it's at the beginning of the morning... That is when the payment became due, and therefore he would collect the wages all day, meaning the entire the rest of that day until nightfall is considered to be the time that the wages needs to be paid. And so the other posuk, which says that you can't allow sunset to come without having paid him, that would apply in this case, where he ends his work in the daytime, even if it's the beginning of the daytime, and the employer has the rest of that day to pay him. Right, next case, somebody who is hired to work for a number of hours, but even less than a full day or a full night. And the Gemara offers two explanations of this statement. We're going to explain in one way, which is the more accepted view. And that is, he can collect either the whole night or the whole day. And it depends on when he finishes. If this worker who is working for a number of hours finishes during the night time, and there's still part of the night time remaining, then the employer would have the rest of the night to pay him. But if he finishes during the day, then the employer would have the rest of that day to pay him. But you've always only gone until the end of the night or the end of the day. You won't have both the night and the day. Alright, and the last part of the mission is Shabbos. Somebody who, a worker who is hired for a week, Sechir Chodesh. Or if he's hired for a month, if he's hired for a year, if he's hired for a Shemitah cycle, whatever it may be, he's always only got that day to pay him. 
if the worker went out and he ended his work at the end of the week or the month or the year of the Shemitah cycle, he ended his work during the daytime, he collects his wages for the rest of that day, and the rest of that day is considered to be when the wages are due. And if that day passes and nightfall arrives and the employer has not yet paid him, then the employer would have violated the prohibition of delaying the wages of the worker. If the worker ended at night, he finishes work after the entire month or the year, whatever it may be, he finished in the middle of the night, so you would expect the law to be that the employer has the rest of that night to pay him. However, the Mishnah says something else, and because of that, the Gemara explains that it's actually a machlekes. It's actually an argument, and the, this final part of the Mishnah is a different opinion to what the Mishnah said until now. And according to this opinion, he collects that entire night and the entire next day. The employer has the rest of that night and the rest of the day to pay him. The reason being that in Jewish law, the night is considered to be the beginning of the day. The day begins from nightfall the day before. That's why, for example, Shabbos begins from the nighttime already. So when the Torah says that you've got the rest of the day, you have to pay the worker on that day, the understanding is that you have a full day beginning from the night and ending at, the, at nightfall the next day. So even this opinion agrees that if the worker ended in the middle of the day, you've only got until the end of the day. However, if you end in the middle of the night, you have the rest of the night as well as the entire next day, because according to this opinion, the employer has the until the end of that 24-hour period to pay, to pay the wages of his employee.